Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Autism Stories. I'm your host, Doug Bletcher, the founder of Autism Personal Coach. Autistic people are the true experts of the autistic experience, and Autism Stories is where we interview autistic people to learn from their stories, experiences, and get their advice. If you would like to be notified about each week's episode of Autism Stories, we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We would also appreciate it if you could give us a positive rating and review as it will help others to learn about Autism Stories. One of the things that I truly love is watching TV shows and films. Combine that passion for whenever a TV show or film has an autistic character, then I almost feel compelled to watch it. However, most of the time I go in with pretty low expectations as I find that very rarely does a TV show or film know how to represent autistic characters in a way that I think is truly authentic or respectful. That's why I'm so pleased to welcome Rebecca Faith Quinn to this episode of Autism Stories as she discusses the film she wrote and acted in about an autistic woman going out on a first date. We hope you enjoy today's conversation. Rebecca, thanks so much for joining us today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. I wanted to start out and learn, where does your story in the autistic community begin? I was originally diagnosed with autism, well, back then it was Asperger's syndrome, which is a term that is no longer used because it was reclassified when the DSM-5 came out in 2013 as just autism spectrum disorder. But I was diagnosed when I was 15, so way back in... 2011, when dinosaurs roamed the earth and we were worried about a different apocalypse. <laughs> and then I wasn't really an active member of the autism community at that time. No one really explained to me what having autism meant. They just explained to me that I have it, but they were just like, okay, you have autism, go uh, exist in society. And I'm like, okay, but what does that mean for, you, for me? And they're like, just go exist. We don't have time to explain. And I'm like, okay. And then I started getting more active in the community around 2017, 2018, because I was in my second time at college. Because, you know, autistic people, we tend to take a long time when in universities. Like, most autistic people who graduate from a four-year university, do it in six to eight years. I was one of those eight years people. <laughs> and uh, in my second time at university, I actually ran into other autistic people at school, and we started talking, and I learned more about my disorder from them. Like, in the years, I had learned a little bit. Like, I knew that there were sensory issues, which... I always masked, and I knew that it meant I had social issues, which I pretended that I didn't have, even though I would go home crying because, you know, I couldn't figure out that I had missed a social cue. And after that, I decided to write my film, A Simple Date, and I decided that I really wanted to write a film that explains autism, but shows it in a normal light. Like it's nothing that's like it's something that's no big deal 
because yes, even though the selling point of my film is that she is autistic, she it's still a normal relationship. And I don't feel like a lot of media surrounding autism presents autism in that light. Like we have things like atypical and everything's going to be okay. But the selling point of those is how different everyone is. And the selling point for mine was, yes, she's different, but she's normal. And in order to promote the film, I got involved with the autistic community on TikTok, which is how I started developing a following. Now, you know, you mentioned um, writing the film A Simple Date, which is a which is a great film, uh, 25 minutes long. Um, definitely recommend it to anyone. But you didn't just write it, you produced it and you were the yes. lead actress um, yes, I was. in the film. So how how did you go like from an executive functioning uh, wise managing all those things? Well, I had an amazing partner, uh, my producing partner, Tamia Young, who also directed the film. She and I had Right before we produced the film, we had just worked together on a play that I wrote that was produced in my college called Coming Out. Surprisingly, not about autism, <laughs> even though most of my work is about autism. And I just, I adored the work that she did for my play, so I approached her and I asked her to be a part of my film with me. And so I had a lot of help from her. It was very much an equal partnership in the sense that, like, she took a lot of the responsibility that my executive functioning issues just weren't able to handle. And I'm, I'm interested, what is it maybe about filmmaking, filmmaking that made you say, I want to do this thing? It's hard to explain, but the best way I can explain is just, it's always what I've wanted to do with my life. I've always been an active storyteller. I love to tell stories. I love to write. I love to act. I love to perform. I just, I love to create. And when you create a film, you kind of create your own world. And I love that about it. You were, you mentioned, um, you know, being on TikTok and your character in, in the film, a uh, simple date met your, met the date in the film on social media. So how do you, how do you assess social media as a way for, autistic women to find partners? I think that it can be a blessing and a curse. I've met most of my partners in the last five years or so through social media apps like Tinder and things like that. Tinder, Hinge, Bumble, all that jazz. I even met one through Facebook dating, never doing that one again. <laughs> <laughs> I think it possesses the same amount of risks and benefits that it does to neurotypicals. Actually, a little bit more risk because, you know, there's always having to have the conversation of, I'm autistic, and there's the question, do you tell them in the bio, or do you wait until the first date, or do you tell them while you're texting? I don't have it in my bio that I'm autistic, mostly because I really don't like the responses that I get from people. Like, I don't have a problem being autistic, but I've gotten so many people who swipe right on me and then say, oh, wow, you're autistic. I'm so sorry for you. And I'm like, no, no, why are, I hate that. I hate that. I'm, autism is nothing to be sorry about. And so I just usually wait until I'm either texting them and it comes up. Like, if they ask me about my following on TikTok, I explain what I do, and I'll tell them then. 
or I will tell them like around the first date. Funnily enough, the last date that I had via a dating app, my date actually wound up being autistic too. And so when I told them, when I told them I was autistic, he's like, oh, me too. And I'm like, really? And he's like, we talked about sharks for an hour and a half. What do you think? And I was like, oh, right. <laughs> so in, uh, in your film, um, the date starts out in a, in a restaurant. And so often on first dates, uh, people will meet at a restaurant for a meal or somewhere for coffee or for a drink. However, restaurants can be, I think, some of the most overwhelming places in the world. So when thinking, when thinking about a date, what do you think autistics should be thinking about in terms of kind of the, the ideal setting for it? I think that they should be thinking about what makes them the most comfortable. If you're going on a date with somebody, you should be comfortable first. Uh, I think that it's totally okay to demand, not like forcefully demand, but to, to, you know, assert your boundaries and state, hey, this is what I need from this date if we are going to go on it. So like if restaurants are way too overstimulating for you, I suggest that outdoor restaurants would be better instead of indoor ones because they're less overstimulating because the, you know, there's no walls. Because I, I don't like suggesting, you know, oh, just meet up somewhere, just the two of you, because that's not safe practice. And, you know, safety is important. Or suggest going to a movie instead. Movies are far less overstimulating, and it's not as weird when you wear your headphones at the movie theaters, because why are they always so loud? Now, you were, you were briefly talking about disclosure before, and I don't want to give away too many spoilers to your film for those that haven't seen it yet, but at one point, your character decides to disclose that she's autistic. What are some things you think people should think about when making the decision to disclose to their date about their autism? There's always going to be a risk of rejection, and you can't be afraid of it. A lot of people aren't educated about autism, but I'm finding more and more now that a lot more people are educated about it than we think. Like I talked about, I hate getting told, I'm sorry, you're autistic. I just started a new job at Universal Studios and I have disclosed to about four or five people that I'm autistic because I had needs uh, at work. I didn't get a single response like that. Like I was shocked. I'm still shocked, honestly, every time I disclose to one of my coworkers that I'm autistic, I'm, I'm still expecting one of them to be like, oh, you don't look autistic, or oh, I'm sorry you're disabled, or anything like that. No, every single time it's been, oh, okay, so how can I better meet your needs? And I'm like, I, I'm like, it's weird for me, because I'm like, wait, there's no ableism? What? <laughs> <laughs> so, the fear of the bad responses is going down. Because a lot more people have the opportunity to be educated about autism thanks to apps like TikTok. Like, thanks to the work that, not to pat myself on the back here, but thanks to the work that people like me and my other friends who are creators on Autistic Talk, thanks to the work that we've done, we're really working in strides to normalize autism for the everyday population. There's still going to be 
the people who are not educated. There's always going to be the people who are not educated. But there's a lot more who are than you think. Now, I love many things about your film, A Simple Date. But one in particular was when you and your date essentially had a discussion about communication styles between an autistic woman and your date who I think was a neurotypical man. Yes, Uh, yes he was. Okay. Why was it important to have this conversation between the, uh, the two characters on the date? Because if you set up a conversation about the way you need to communicate, it lays a better foundation for if you want to continue a relationship with this person because the biggest problem with any relationship neurotypical or otherwise is communication i've seen plenty of neurotypical couples that have completely different communication styles that only serves to their detriment so if you have the communication style conversation early on it allows for you to make a better connection with that person because you're able to say, hey, this is how I connect. And it's, you know, it's up to that person whether or not they want to continue after that. Yeah. You know, when autistic representation in TV and films discussed, often the conversation turns to a lack of autistic people playing autistic characters. While that's certainly critical, um, when I watch autistic characters in media, I get really uncomfortable with the dialogue. And I think that may be because so much of the dialogue comes from non-autistic people writing for these characters. Absolutely. I absolutely agree. So how critical do you think it's not only for autistic people to play autistic characters, but also to write for these characters? I think that if you are a neurotypical writer... I think it's fine to want to write about autistic people. I do think it's fine. However, when you get that autistic actor, because you should always get an autistic actor to play an autistic person, you need to allow that autistic actor to tell you whether or not, hey, this dialogue is just not that great. Let me help you. Because the autistic actor is always going to know how an autistic person eats, thinks, breathes, better than a neurotypical one and it doesn't mean that your dialogue is bad if that happens it just means that you don't have the lived experience to know how to approach this and that's fine that's understandable I think that a lot more people are autist more autistic than they think they just don't know how to do the proper research I found a lot of stories where people wrote for autistic characters and then realized when they were writing for them, after communicating with the autistic community about it, they've realized, oh, crap, I am autistic. Like, for example, that happened with Dan Harmon when he wrote Community, when he was writing about the character Abed. Abed is autistic. And when Dan Harmon was writing for the character of Abed, he got in touch with the autism community and he realized that he was autistic. And he wound up getting himself diagnosed. Or the writer of Everything's Going to Be Okay. That was a show all about autism. And the actor who played Nick is also the writer and producer of the show. 
and throughout creating this show and talking to the autistic community and working with them, he realized, oh, I'm autistic. <laughs> he wound up getting diagnosed, and he actually wrote that into the show. Yes. Because it's, there are a lot more autistic people than people think. Yeah. They just don't have the access to correct information about autism. I think I remember reading where he's, he said, I started to wonder why I write autistic characters into my shows. <laughs> it's because they're autistic. Like, Dan Harmon also writes an autistic character into every show that he into every show that he makes like even Rick and Morty the character Rick is canonically autistic like he even admits it and when he's playing Minecraft one day he's like is this game popular with autistic people and Morty's like you shouldn't say that and he's like why I'm starting to love it <laughs> <laughs> that was Dan Harmon's way of being like yeah Rick is autistic he's a dick but he's also autistic now for those that haven't uh, seen your film A Simple Date yet how can they go about seeing it it is for free on YouTube when making the film, I did not want people to have to pay for representation because a lot of the representation of autistic femme people, such as myself, is just not great. And I didn't want to put it behind a paywall to have to see it, like to be able to see it accurately. So it is completely free on the YouTube channel, Young Quinn Productions. And then just wondering about thinking about your future what what kind of things do you want to be doing as a filmmaker i actually just submitted a feature film script for a screenplay competition i'm hoping that i will win so that i can start production on it it is a that one will hopefully be my directorial debut because as much as i want to act in it that part just belongs to somebody else and that's okay but I hope to produce that. I'm, I'm currently working on a pilot script for a TV series that I also want to create that will, not in the first season, but the second season, go into the late autism, late in life diagnosis of autism journey, which is the experience of most feminine presenting people with autism. Like getting diagnosed at 15 for me was a very early diagnosis for women. But, you know, that's what I hope to be doing. I hope to always be creating films that might not be about autism all the time, but they'll always be inclusive of autistic people. Well, I, I really, like I said, I really enjoyed A Simple Date, and I'm going to be look, looking out for your future projects. And So thanks. Thank you. Th thanks for making time, Rebecca, to talk with me today. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much to Rebecca for the conversation. To watch Rebecca's film on YouTube, check out the link in the podcast description of this episode. Communication can be challenging no matter what type of social situation you're in. Whether it's a first date, dealing with your coworkers, dealing with your classmates in high school or college, or with interactions with family members. Autism Personal Coach has coached so many people through these challenges. You can book a free call with me to learn how Autism Personal Coach can support you during this process. A link for the free call can be found in the podcast description of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Autism Stories, and if you did, if you could tell a friend, foe, or anyone you know about it so they could have the same 
enjoyable experience as you when listening to Autism Stories, it would be very much appreciated. On the next episode of Autism Stories, we will discuss the experience of being autistic and studying special education at college. Until next time, I'm Doug Bletcher of Autism Personal Coach. Talk to you then.